0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. You'll see, Mom, like you'll miss these tiny days. What fresh
0: hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. You there with your five-year-olds. <laughs> with Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. No, no, don't you remember? We used to make cookies together. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Uh, It was the triple sour cow, and I didn't (laughs) land it.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret.
0: And this week, Amy, we're talking about things change, and that's okay. But first, we're going to go to Mailbag.
2: Mailbag.
0: (laughs) Oh, Amy, such a professional. (laughs) I did it. It's definitely been a week since you
1: remembered, but here we are. Elisa emailed us to say, I wanted to thank you for the episode on pandemic decision fatigue and all your prior episodes addressing the pandemic. As I listen, I feel less alone in my struggle to protect my too young to vaccinate toddler and my pandemic fatigued husband. You make me laugh without ignoring how difficult this time is for moms. You are the mom friends I never got to make. Oh, Team Elisa, because she became that. a
0: mom during the pandemic, right? Right, of course. So you're just completely isolated. We're your mom friends. We're here. <laughs> and believe me, we don't have all the answers for the... Uh reality that is the pandemic, but I'm glad that the fact that we're talking about it helps us. Yes, I also want to point out, Amy, that Nikki Olympia Previno in our Facebook group, and I shared it to our page, made an amazing Hellions bingo card. I know. We are so excited about this. (laughs) It's so fun. So if you want, pull it up while you're listening and you can play along and you could just shout bingo out to yourself. If we mention. I'm not going to have the card because I don't want to cheat. I'm not going to play to the card. (laughs) Right, right. We're not going to tip it. Uh, No, I'm not going to be like, I haven't said this yet. Oh, I better say it so someone can get bingo. It's just a totally organic
1: experience. Exactly. It's also on Instagram. We're on Instagram at Hellcast. And by the way, people were like, what about this? What about that? And there's a whole like round two that we need to make. Yeah,
0: we need a second bingo card for sure. A lot of people were like, you didn't mention this. Love it. It's coming this idea for today, Things Change and That's Okay, came after Amy recorded an Ask Amy that was about what it's like having a kid away at college. And so many of our listeners have younger kids. And it was interesting to me how many people reacted to this episode of like, oh, wow. They wanted to know. Right. They want to know. They're thinking ahead. yeah. And I recently recorded an Ask Margaret about what do I do with like my beloved little Baba who was so cute and loving and is now rolling their eyes and speaking rudely to me. And so top of mind for us was how these things are changing and You know, people always ask, I started, Amy, my research for this episode by Googling, does it get easier? (laughs) And I was taken back to a day when my kids were, you know, four, three, and one, where I was Googling, does it get easier constantly? Uh And let me tell you, I'm not alone. Yeah. Because as I Googled it, you know how when you Google something, the window box pops up, it autofills. It autofills. And this is the autofill box. I'm just going to read you what's underneath it. When does parenting get better? When does parenting get easier? When does parenting get less exhausting? When does parenting get fun? When does parenting stop being so hard? Does parenting get easier over time? Like this is definitely something that people are worried about. And we're not even so much today focusing on does parenting get easier? Because that's a lengthy debate that we could go many ways about. And we've kind of talked about on the podcast Is the point of parenting to have it be fun or easier or to bring us joy and happiness? And we kind of came out on the side of like, meh, it's kind of more full human experience. Yeah, but we've also been firmly team hashtag it gets better.
1: Yes. Because I think we do kind of feel like, yes, it is not always going to be as hands hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Exactly. Morning till night, taking care of something, picking something up hard. That changes. It becomes more your kids' problems or lives become more complicated and you're more
0: head and heart than changing 10 diapers. Absolutely. And that grind. One quote that I pulled out of your Ask Amy, which we'll link in the show notes, is it's way bigger ahead of you than it is in the rearview mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much of that in this way that we think about parenting and the kind of refrain that is like, just wait, mom, you think it's hard now? Like I could definitely remember, I only had a double stroller and I had three kids. So I would have the baby and the toddler in it. And then like my four-year-old would straddle the middle just to like have somewhere to be or he would stand on the back of it. And therefore, I would transform my double stroller into a triple stroller. Mm -hmm. I have one of those. I mean, it was a comical sight. It was like, you know, sometimes you see the picture of the motorcycle and there's like 40 people on a single motorcycle. That's what I look like pushing my stroller. And I just cannot understand the logic of people who would say to me, seeing me then like trying to shove groceries in the pocket of the very bottom of that while I like bled from my eyeballs from fatigue, like, oh, huh, just wait. It's much worse when they're teenagers. Like, what? What is that, Amy? I
1: don't know what that was about. I actually wrote about that, the like the crone coming up to you like, just (laughs) you wait, you'll see. And I think like, what do you mean? What am I waiting for? And my honest answer to what is it like when your kid goes away to college was it's different, but it's not bad. It's not me like weeping into his old sweatshirts, you know, like and I feel like you either see that out there or nothing. And there are ways in which my relationship with that child have improved. Like I had like a half hour conversation with him last night when he was on his way to a formal that he was really excited about. And this friend's going with this friend. And he called me and we talked for half an hour about all these things he had to tell me. And now I won't see
0: him for a week. And that's really different, but it's not worse. And I think that what the whole like crone emerging from the shadows to curse you vibe also... Leaves out, which we're going to talk about today, is your own agency in this. That like you have a role to play in changing along with your kids. Mm. That if you are going to set the story of like the only valuable part of childhood is like a kid who says regularly truck for every truck that's not a fire truck, <laughs> you're going to have a horrible experience of your child getting older. You know, you have a role to play in growing with your your kids and changing your role with your kids. And like, yes, baby snuggles are wonderful. But potty training three kids, having three kids in diapers, as I did, is horrible, horrible, horrible. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that if you a lot of it is mindset, if you attach to like the precious moments of youth, yes, Your kid going to college is going to be the worst thing that ever happens to you. But I don't think that's your only option. That's what I want to say.
1: No, it's not your only option. And I I think we are sold that as a society that like the little feet and footy pajamas coming down the stairs, like you'll see mama. Like I just want to block that. You know, like I said, I I muted Wordle on Twitter and now (laughs) play Wordle (laughs) with my high schooler. I play Wordle and it's like a point of connection. But I want to mute the like, you'll see mom, like you'll miss these tiny days. I just feel like that's a weird, it's a weird thing because yeah, sometimes you do. And sometimes you're playing Wordle with your 17 year old and it's kind of fun and you still remember that he said, big quack mommy when he was little and a truck would go by. You can have both. That's the thing that I think that leaves out. You can have both the memories of them being little and adorable and needing you and this new developing relationship with you, which isn't always great, but it's not always bad.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You can have both. It's too early for a solved it, Amy, but that is going to come (laughs) back as a theme through the episode. And I think going back to your idea of it's bigger ahead than in the rear view mirror like yeah the things that grind us down when our kids are little like the potty training the like we have to find a kindergarten the constant like anxiety of did I leave the door open and the kid is out playing in the road like that grind that mental grind to me I now have a 13 year old a 12 year old and a 10 year old that's the worst phase of my life. That constant hum of like, are they eating paint chips while I'm trying to change this one's diaper? Now I have iRolli tweens and I have lots of problems and I have like kids who I'm constantly trying to like get to do their homework. And I'm kind of the villain in the story in our house right now, which I find mentally taxing, but I wouldn't trade it for that toddler phase for all the money in the world. Like I love where we are right now and I'm going to give you an example. We took the kids skiing this weekend and we just went for the two days, Saturday and Sunday. And at some point, so my kids, one of my 9-year-old ran into a friend, my 12-year-old ran into a friend and my 13-year-old joined them, was out by himself. And we were sitting in the lodge having a beer while all three of my kids are skiing. And I was just like, this is so much better than skiing with little kids. We're not a big ski family. So it's like, we never had that like three-year-old. I (laughs) kept seeing women in the restroom, like peeling off a kid's ski suit to change diapers. And let me tell you, if that's what you're up to, God bless you. But I just was like, who is doing this? Did you? Oh, I did it. I mean, not diapers.
1: But I had a 3 year I mean, because my spouse, who is a skier, not an insane skier, but like learned how to ski as a child, I did not. So I thought it was important that kids learn to ski when they're young. And I'll, I will say, don't learn to ski when you're 40. It doesn't go well. And... <laughs> take it from me. We'll do a separate
0: episode on that one. (laughs) That's the episode. Don't learn to ski after 40. I mean, it's God bless you.
1: Yeah, but I've actually written about this too and learning to ski and your kids getting older. For me, when we started to ski and I'm 40 and my kids are, you know, five and three and seven or whatever they were, and they were immediately better at it than me and they were immediately racing away from me and getting better at it at such a clip that I was never going to be able to keep up. That was a things change for me. I had never been worse at something than my kids before until we ski. Yeah, interesting. I was always better than something. I was always leading the way. Like, don't worry, guys. Like, I know how to get us back to the lodge, you know, and when we hike. Now it was, no, come on, mom. It's easy. And like, no, this isn't easy. What are you talking about? That was a big change. Yeah. It wasn't worse. Now I, you know, stay at the hotel and let them go
0: skiing without me when we ski every three years. Have fun, guys. I just found that moment of my kids are off doing something. We're together as a family. Yeah. We were in the hotel at night. Let me tell you, we go to dinner and I don't have to look for nine different restaurants because they only eat chicken nuggets. And, you know, we are able to like go down to whatever restaurant happens to be in the hotel and get food. And at night we are talking about the day and laughing about things. Like I'm, Loving it now Does it involve a lot of like, Mom, where's my socks? Like, I'm sorry, I'm the villain of the weekend because you forgot to pack socks. Like, and I do a ton of work to make sure that everybody has their pieces and we have checklists. And of course, it's a pain. But the experience of being able to enjoy something as a family and then my husband and I getting some time to enjoy each other's company because our kids are independent enough to be off and enjoying their friends and doing their own thing. I'm going to say phenomenal. Yeah right and so the part that's worse that the
1: kids are constantly annoyed by you like there are parts that are better and there are parts that are worse it is neither as simple as don't worry about it guys you know your kids won't bother you anymore or you'll miss every moment of this like i think that messaging that we get is mm, it's kind of like insidious because like the more you hear like if they could just stay little to their carters wear out is that an oldie locks alert or do they still say that about it is back in my day definitely (laughs) an oldie locks alert that you have to keep them little. You have to keep them young because it only gets less fun from here. I think that it's wrong and it really holds you back and it makes you spend time worrying about, will I be sad when they go to college? (laughs) You might be happy too.
0: And you are going to be sad. And I think that's right. The metaphor is not like doors and like the other side of the door is great or the other side of the door is terrible. The metaphor is like a balancing scale where like certain things come off one side and other things go on the other side and like trying to keep that balance is the journey of this. And it's not some mythical door where like, wait a minute, guys, is it happy over there? No, you're just going to be recalibrating that scale as you go along and your kids get older. But there is one thing I want to add to that. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
1: Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers.
0: because one of the things that happens in these kind of conversations is like, but your kids get out of diapers and your kids get independent and they ski by themselves. And it's all that's the wonder of it. Yeah, there are parents for whom that's not true. There are parents of kids with special needs. There are a lot of situations in which the facile advice of like, it gets easier because these magic things happen. That's not a universal experience.
1: Or at least it happens much more slowly, right? Like they learn to speak much later, whatever it is, right? That change is happening. But you have to have a lot more patience. Maybe it's, and it's,
0: slower. For sure. And having dealt with developmental delays, I think most one-year-olds look the same to everyone. And as you deal with developmental delays, what you can find is like a five-year-old with developmental delays looks quite different than a five-year-old who does not have developmental delays. So sometimes the pain of those gaps gets much more pronounced or, you know, high school graduation may look different for your kid with developmental delays than it looks for like the typical kid who's maybe going off to college and yay, yay, yay. And so this whole conversation is going to be quite generalized. I still think having dealt with this myself, it still gets easier, I think. You understand the challenges better. You feel more equipped to handle the challenges as you go along. Mm. You find a lot of joy that is unexpected when you were just reading a diagnosis. Like There's a lot about it that I do think gets better, but I don't think if you don't hear yourself in this exact discussion, I just want to acknowledge that like... I still think this is true. I have still found that this gets easier... And it's not universal truths that we're talking about. I want to bring up, we did a fresh take with Debbie Reber of
1: uh, Tilt Parenting. She's a special needs parent and her whole community is about special needs parenting. And so we'll link to that episode in the show notes. And she did make this point like, yeah, your kid changes and you will also change. You will also get better at this. You'll develop skills. You'll mature as a person. You'll grow and believe that you can be the parent that this child needs to
0: be. And that does make it easier in that way. Yes. Let me tell you, your first IEP meeting is really different than your ninth IEP meeting. And for me, better. Yeah. You know what you're doing. You're there. You understand how to be the right kind of advocate. And, you know, I think the universal lessons, your scale may be trickier to balance, but that universalness of that is still true. Finding that balance is still really important and what we're working on. So, Amy, in my Googling, Mm -hmm. I was just interested. What's the age that people think that it gets better, gets easier? Right. Getting away from this idea of like it never gets easier. It only gets harder. What's the magic age? Right. When the crone is saying,
1: just you wait. What age is she talking about?
0: Yeah. Well, and also (laughs) like when you're sitting there like oh my God, are they somehow eating paint while I'm changing the diaper? When does that stop? Okay. This is from Motherhood and more. She says, for me, that shift occurred when our youngest child turned six. That was the magical age when parenting got significantly easier, at least in a practical sense. I no longer had to get anyone snacks unless I wanted to. I no longer had to keep a close eye on them to make sure they weren't going to run off into the street. I no longer had to buckle anyone in a car. That was a huge day. And I no longer had to wipe anyone's butt. I think you can't deny that, Amy.
1: We did an episode about when does this get easier. So we'll have to link to that in the show notes, too. And I remember bringing to the Thunderdome, my argument for that episode was that it gets easier when you can say, "Okay, bath time and pajamas time and your kids can go upstairs or go in the bathroom and then go pajamas on and reappear bathed in pajamas that whenever that age is, if you're lucky enough to get to that age with your kids, that's the age where it gets easier. Yeah, that might be a little older than six depends on the kid. I feel like when people say to me, when
0: does it get easier? Carolyn Hacks, do you read her? I love her. Yeah, I always read her. She's a syndicated advice column. Love her. And she, somebody wrote it and said, when does it get easier? And she said, I never do this, but I'm going to do this. Five. That's the age when your ball of need (laughs) stops being a toddler, starts being a kid, someone who can actually help out a bit, listen more reliably, amuse you regularly, and just fry your brain less. This reminds me of that
1: book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Do you remember that book? Everybody was reading that. Amy,
0: an oldie locks alert
1: back in my day. I know. I'm bringing all the old locks alerts today. Anyway, like I kind of half read it, but like the joke of the book, spoiler alert, but nobody I, you know, if you haven't read that book by now, then it's on you, I guess. That like, what's the meaning of life? The meaning of life, the meaning of the universe. And then the joke is at the end, it's 43. The answer is 43. Yes. That's the meaning of life. Yes.
0: <laughs> that there's an answer. That's the elusive thing, and this is where in our conversation today, Amy, as we're like five, six, you're out, you're good. Calf rope. They're buckling themselves into the car. Right. You're not like doing your contortionist act where you're like half twisting. We had the seats that pulled forward with the hatchback, so you literally had to do like a back bend, like a yoga worthy back bend, to buckle the back kid into the car seat. <laughs> and by the time you did that, the four year olds running off. So we're like five. That's the magical age. You're free. Everything's going to be okay. But here I come, Amy. Prepare yourself. You're passing a cave, and I'm in a hood, (laughs) and I have long, craggly fingers. And I'm like, you there with your five year olds. Psychology Today. Yes. Obviously, the answer varies for different parents with different kids. However, a survey of over 2,000 well educated moms by Sunia Luthar and Lucia. Chicolia at Arizona State offers one universal answer. On average, mothers of middle schoolers 12 to 14 years old generally feel worse than parents of infants, preschoolers, elementary children, high school children, and adult children. Moms of middle schoolers report markedly less parenting satisfaction than other moms.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, we can put a piece of paper between that, right? Like, are we talking about the most satisfying stage of parenting or the easiest stage of parenting? And I guess it is true that changing 10 diapers a day, I mean, maybe 10 if they're (laughs) breastfeeding babies, (laughs) it's 10 diapers a day. There's also great rewards, right? There's also snuggles and uh, all this, you know, serotonin and oxytocin and there are rewards. Yep. And then middle schoolers, less hard, less love-bombing. So I guess the satisfaction would be lower as the workload gets lighter. That kind of makes sense.
0: Yes, and that's right. And this is Carrie Goodwin, Ph.D., which is harder parenting teenagers or toddlers. And I think this is exactly what you're getting at. She says, many parents who are struggling through the toddler years are warned by parents of older children. You think this is hard? Just wait until they're teenagers. That's our crone from the cave. <laughs> as a parent of toddlers myself, I have always found these warnings demoralizing and honestly terrifying. So I couldn't help but wonder, does the research actually back this up, which is actually more stressful, parenting a toddler or parenting a teenager? Oh, okay. I have a thought on this. Give us your thought and then we'll see if Kara agrees with you.
1: I mean, it's going to seem facile, but I think it's true. It depends on the toddler and it depends on the teenager. Like I have a teenager who's a college freshman who is blissfully happy at college, which in 2022 is not a foregone conclusion at all, right? There's, it's, the pandemic has made it so hard in college students for a hundred ways this kid is happy so therefore i'm happy so therefore my relationship with him was great as a newborn he was a nightmare he slept like 90 minutes at a time for months oh that's right he was like your refluxy colicky nightmare yes like it's a miracle we made it so that kid was a really difficult baby and a super easy teenager And let's just say that can flip. I can flip that uh, (laughs) equation for you. If you'd like, use your imagination.
0: Yeah, that's right. So obviously it depends on the kid, but I do think her overall point here, this gave me like an aha moment, like I sometimes have on the podcast, like, (gasps) right, this makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm going to lay it on you. She says with young kids, roll overload a.k.a. feeling overwhelmed by everything you have to do as a parent is higher in parents of toddlers than teenagers. Research finds that the quality of marital partner relationship declines from infancy and then it improves when the child gets older. So, yes, in infancy, roll overload. But then with teenagers, research finds that while young children have more demands and needs, their needs are usually met in the same way. On the other hand, teenagers require that their parents meet their needs in different, more individualized ways. Mind blown. That's so true. This is the rub. This is what why people say it's harder. In other words, young children may need you more often, but their needs are easier to meet.
1: Except when you get to the toddler stage and only mommy can cut my sandwich and only daddy can... Read me Harry Potter because he does the voices right. I mean, kids can start to differentiate and, you know, pick favorites and pick sides. But when it's a who can heat up the bottle, it's a job that needs to be done by somebody. Yes.
0: But even when they're differentiating, I think her larger point is like, I want my sandwich cut in triangles. You can figure out like I have to. Warn this kid I have to cut this kid's Only on the diagonal Or they freak out Like The way you meet Their needs Their constant Unbelievable Demanding needs And they're discreet They're yes or no Right They're binary Yes You're working or Yeah Yeah and like every time we get in the car, it's gonna be a nightmare for 20 minutes. Like that's a constant problem. Like all day, every day, you're just bombarded with problems, but the problems are solvable, basically. And I think this is the crux of what people are saying. When a teenager comes home and is like, my four closest friends who I've been together with since I was a toddler, and we've always been a clique, one of them decided to cast me out, and now I have no friends, and I'm scared to go to school. That's a really different problem than like, I have to remember to cut the sandwich on the diagonal.
1: Yes. And that problem is probably going to be much more on one parent. I mean, I'm thinking of this with my own older kids. My kids do relate to each of us pretty differently. And if one of my kids is having trouble in a relationship, they are probably going to go to one parent or the other. And it's not always the same parent. It can often be the same sex parent. Yeah, different parents provide different needs for this kid. And their problems get, if they have problems, are more global. They're not happy at college and should they transfer, right? The girls have all turned on her and what are we going to do? Are we going to call the other parents or not? Like these are bigger and more unsolvable if they occur. And they don't always occur. You can have a teenager for whom things are going really well for that. You know, quarter.
0: That's right. You could sail through on a lot of this stuff. I mean, you could sail through on most of this stuff. There are people who say, like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. You can have a baby who sleeps through the night at six weeks. Exactly. You can have kids who are really easy. Let me tell you, if you have three kids, you're going to really lower your chances of having uh, <laughs> an easy time, just for my own <laughs> personal experience. But I'd never heard it expressed quite this way. And it made so much sense to me. Listen, I had three kids in four years. That's a pretty high degree of difficulty in terms of like... Triple sow cow. uh, It was the triple sow cow. And (laughs) I didn't land it. I never landed it once, Amy. But everyone, from the minute I opened my eyes in the morning until... Not even the minute I closed my eyes, because someone would wake up during the night. I just had these endless days of like, someone always had a need. And then someone was always unhappy. I've said before that my brother, I said, I had a kid and I said, he said, how's it going? I said, we have good days and bad days. He goes, oh, have another kid. Then you can have good days and bad days on the same day. And that's what it was. Like, somebody was always unhappy. The juggling just ground me down. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm a person who... That kind of problem solving, my mom was the same way. She had left, you know, a very big job to have three kids. And I think it just ground her down, this constant un- inability to solve problems. Just it was constantly like chaos and problems all the time with little kids. And then as we were teenagers, I think she felt much more in control being like, OK, the friends have abandoned you. Here's what you're going. Good- you have to keep going to school. She was very good at that kind of problem solving and not as good at the like just living in chaos. And I think that's why I find this phase better for myself, too. That kind of like let's think of a solution and let's Put it in perspective, that kind of work is a lot easier for me than the grinding pain of three kids, constant problems.
1: I want to talk about how things change and that's okay, how I'm thinking of this sort of for myself right now. Can I talk to you about that after this? You may.
2: on the air around relatable struggles.
0: and now there are some things that change and it's not so great from the what fresh Hell podcast toddlers talk all
1: the time teens don't talk at all and it's somehow worse we don't know why car seats good news you don't have to buckle them in anymore bad news they're in the front seat now with keys in their hand your tiny baby
0: is driving the car Getting babies to sleep versus getting teens to wake up.
1: You know, that's a tie for terribleness. They are both really bad. Baby smells. Baby smells will be replaced by the smell of teenage feet. And all we can say is, you're not ready. Kids questions. As it turns out, who's your favorite member of the Paw Patrol is a lot easier than answering, why do good people die? We're sorry in advance. This has been, there are some things that change and it's not so great. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. So we're talking about how things change and that can be good or bad, but it happens and it's not something to fear or hold back against. Because I think that like fear, like, no, 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 they can never grow old is You know, a pain is in the gap kind of moment that you don't have to live in. And I'm seeing this very clearly with my youngest child is in eighth grade. So all of my kids, all three of my kids went from nursery through eighth grade in the same sort of neighborhood school. So we live in New York City, but the school is our community. It is our little neighborhood. Right. And thanks to the pandemic, we've kind of missed two years of PA meetings and science fairs and, you know, spelling bees and all that kind of stuff. School plays. Yes. We haven't had any of that stuff. I have not been in that building more than like three times in the last two years. Cause I have also, cause I have an older kid and she's leaving. And this community that I have been a part of that has shaped me as a parent for, I think 17 years, this is it. And I can go to the Christmas pageant next year, but I'm not a parent there anymore. It's sort of like, you know, you're meant to leave. <laughs> please, Amy, please don't go to the Christmas pageant. That would be
0: weird. <laughs> Ms. Wilson, your youngest child has graduated. There's going to be a picture of you in the office. Do not admit this woman. She does not have children who go to this school.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you start to think like, gosh, like I really am fond of these teachers, these people, these other parents. Am I going to see them again? And, you know, those transitions, I've probably been through more of those transitions than a lot of young parents listening. Not all, but some. Yes. And it is sad and it is hard when you leave the community and you don't see the kids that you're so fond of, let alone their parents and things morph and you want your kid to find a high school that they like just as much as the grade school and it will be the same and it won't be the same. I mean, I'm grappling with this very much right now, including for my own relationships, that things
0: change. I want to tell you, I'm in the exact same boat. So our town has a K through four yeah. elementary school, which is slightly unusual. It's just about like the size of the buildings, whatever. So it's five through eight Is middle school. And so my kids' elementary school, my youngest is in fourth grade. So she is graduating from this school this year. And it's like my whole identity for the past, I don't know, what 10 years, I can't do the math, has been (laughs) mom of like kid in this school. And again, you're right, the teachers. And then Right. Since she was in second grade, I have not walked in the building. You're not allowed in the building. So, you know, no plays, no art shows, no. I mean, that was the center of our lives. And I feel kind of ripped off like, but wait a minute. I never got like the magical times with her. And I never got to see her school plays. We did her second grade play on Zoom. And then since then, they just haven't been doing plays. And, but. It's time to like look dead in the face of our old friend reality. Like, yes, it stinks, (laughs) but it was a pandemic and like we did miss out on a lot and she did have this adverse experience and it just, I think part of it is this idea that I spoke about in the beginning that we need to, Amy, we need to look at the man in the mirror. Let's just keep our oldie Deluxe songs going.
1: Back in my day,
0: okay. It's an all oldie Deluxe. We can solve this if we only look to songs from the 1980s, okay? (laughs) Don't test me because I'll do it. I'll bring it. Oh, yeah. Believe me, this could be a 76 hour long episode. <laughs> we haven't even touched the Madonna of at this point. So we've got lots of road ahead of us. But I think the key to like it does change and that's OK, is that the story that the crone tells us is like time snatches your baby from you and returns you a changeling who is rude and terrible and that that story leaves out that we have work to do for ourselves, and that there is a process of cleaving. Do you want to know a fun fact, Amy?
1: No, but I love the word cleave. Yes, I do want a fun fact, and I love the word cleave. Come on, can I?
0: Cleaving, I believe, is the only word in the English language that has two opposite meanings at the same time. Oh, really? To cleave to something means to hold it tightly. Yes. And then cleaving means separating. Like breaking it in half, yeah. Fun fact. But that second cleaving, like... Your kids become rude and obnoxious to you, as I talked about in my Ask Margaret about rude kids, because that is a developmentally appropriate stage of separation. But sometimes we think of ourselves as like the island they're swimming away from. But that's not right. We are both cleaving from each other. Mm. Like we have to find a relationship. And I will say I had a really difficult relationship with my mom as a teenager. Really difficult. Famous in family lore. My mom was maybe the closest person I had in my life from the time I was in college until she died three years ago, but that would never have been possible if we had not gone through that separation, that we refound each other on the other side of being adults who like loved and respected each other, and we would sit and talk for three hours because we just enjoyed each other's brains and our way of processing, and she was the person I went to with problems. But we had to be now for me, I didn't realize it, but she had to be brave enough to like go through that process of you go swim and we'll find each other later.
1: Wow, I love that. Right. And she would have lost out on that. You would have lost out on that relationship if she instead was like, I have to try to cling to the way things used to be. I have to make her not leave, right? Not swim away. No, no, no. Don't you remember? We used to make cookies together, right? Like trying to cling to the past because once you leave, once you go to college, it'll never be the same again. No, it won't ever be the same again. It will be different and maybe wonderful in new ways,
0: but you have to take that risk. And the only child that I value is the like big glasses, pigtails, fourth grade version of me. Yes. That is the work of avoiding the fate that the crone has placed in front of us. And Amy, I'm not just saying this. Psychology Today is saying this. Okay. (laughs) Lay it on me. I'm going to give you from Psychology Today, how to counterbalance this only as happy as my happiest child. Oh, how the years go by feeling, right? That when you're feeling that feeling of like, Mm -hmm. oh, my adorable little, you know, kiddo is now becoming this person I don't recognize. Develop your non-parent self is the first piece of advice, which makes a lot of sense. Right. So if our only identity is parent of this child, that's not healthy for us or for our child. Okay, And that means the pain of like that rejection from our child really stings. Seek support. Don't be fooled by everyone else's perfect life. Everyone else is struggling and I feel, especially nowadays with social media and presentational parenting, that the idea of like everyone else seems to still be like hanging out with their bestie on the couch watching Netflix series together and having great talks, but my kid slams the door in my face and seems to hate me. That's going on for everybody. That is a part of this process and don't be intimidated by like, I can't say that I don't really like my kid right now because that makes me a bad person. You know, and to talk more about that, we uh, did a
1: fresh take with Kat Velos, who wrote a book called We Should Get Together. And I had a great conversation with her about connection and the way to sort of accelerate. You know, you meet somebody new and you want to connect with them or you want to maintain a connection. How do you sort of accelerate? She believes that there are ways you can you know make that happen. And instead of just, you know, by chance and communicating with vulnerability is one of the main ways to do it to sort of show up with like, yeah, I'm having a really hard time.
0: That's where connection comes from is the way to make yourself feel better and the way to grow that friendship. Exactly. And I think that, you know, some of that presentational parenting becomes like I am the best mom and I am mom and mom, mom, mom. And that this bit of distance between yourself and your kids, we forget about how important that is to be like, Maybe I'm only as happy as my unhappiest kid, but I also have a spouse and a home and a job and a passion and hobbies that I like and friends that I like. And that my definition of like my connection with my child is the only thing that defines my life. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Yeah. Oldie Lux alert. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day. Here's another piece <laughs> of advice. Minimize power struggles. So this is really important at this phase. As kids start to cleave, as they start to separate, there tends to come from us the like, no, I am in charge. I am the mom. I am this. Like You got to allow them to stretch those wings. You do not need to ever be spoken to rudely in your home. You do not need to put up with nonsense behavior from kids. And please don't. But I will maintain total control over you is a path to insanity.
1: Yeah, you need to do everything the way I think you should be doing it. I'm learning this lesson right now. I'm soaking in it with one of my kids. And I had a lesson to learn about not leaving, about not leading every interaction with, yeah, but did you do this? And did you remember that? And did you, but sometimes to just talk about the dog or Wordle or what my kid wants to talk about
0: or nothing or sit in silence, yeah, companionable silence. You know, the Ask Margaret's are short and I feel looking back on it. I didn't emphasize enough this idea of the scales. Yes, they're getting ruder, but on the other side, you can play Wordle with them. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a silly example, but you can talk to them. You can have fun experiences with them. And so don't only focus on the rude. Try to find things to throw on the other side of that scale because they're there. Yeah. Hang on, it's a stage is another piece of this advice from Psychology Today, which I think we get, right? That like the really tough, eye-rolling, difficult phase, that won't be forever. I think sometimes we feel like getting the door that like, oh, we've gone through the door and the joy of, you know... Our little cuties is gone, and now we're through the door into the room where, like, they hate us. That's not how it is. No. It's a path, and you're, like, in the kind of, you're in the Wizard of Oz, you know, apples, trees throwing apples at you phase, maybe. But, like, beyond that is uh, the Emerald City. It's shoots and ladders, you know?
2: There's yes. going to be
1: times when it's going... Not well. And then times when you're like, oh, like I said, when my son called me last night, like, hey, just wanted to say hello and show you my outfit and, you know, meet my date and whatever. It was like, I feel like I went from like 37, like I got the good ladder all the way up to
0: 83. Nice. But, then, but there could be a shoot <laughs> sometimes right before you win, Amy, <laughs> yes. you're back down. Yes. The last piece of this advice that I really like, develop amnesia and don't bring up past failings. And I think that this is, they're saying, I think very simply like, you know, last week you did that, blah, 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 blah. Like, don't dredge from the bottom of the suitcase with your kids, their failings. But I think really, this is our solved it moment, which is let your teenagers be teenagers. Don't try to pull them back until let's go back to a time when you were. And for my mom and I, that involved a true kind of like, let's run on separate tracks for a little while because... We couldn't find almost any middle ground. She didn't respect the things that I was doing. And this is not to say, again, I was not falling into drugs. I was not, you know, causing gigantic issues. It just was an identity issue where we didn't have very much in common. And so in that time, developing amnesia for what they did wrong last week, so you're not constantly bringing it up. But I think more profoundly, you have to develop a kind of amnesia around, oh, but they used to be this and they used to be that. And because it gets in the way of seeing who your kid is. And until you can see them for who you are, they are and accept them for who they are, your relationship with them is going to be
1: host. What I think it's really about is, you know, the amnesia not bringing up the past means Allowing for change, allowing the change to occur, allowing for things to be different. Yeah. Maybe first bad and then good, right? Stop trying to pull it back to the familiar because you don't have to. Even when that meme on Facebook is telling you, you know, you'll miss these times, mama. Like, sure you will sometimes. And then sometimes we'd be like, oh, I never want to. I'm so glad I'm not changing diapers anymore. Like, believe me, it's both. And so you don't have to try to keep things the same.
0: Welcome change. Amy, if I may, I think what you're trying to say is things change and that's okay. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Solved it. And scene. Yes, we did it. Did it. I hope that was helpful to everyone. It was such a helpful conversation for me because like Amy, I'm soaking in it. I've got tweens at home and like I miss the snuggles, but I'm trying to see like what we've got ahead that could be really exciting and fun. Friends, we haven't asked for you. What would you like to see on our merch? We want you to come to our Facebook page or email us at info at com and let us know. Go check out our merch store at bit.ly slash whatfreshmerch. See what's there. We've got old deluxe. We've got a thing and a thing. We've got Tweet Tweet. But what's <laughs> We got that already. Not there. Come to our Facebook page or info at whatfreshhealthpodcast and let us know what you would like to see on what Fresh merch. Perfect. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next time.
3: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter-Free,